We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. Should I do it? What the hell? Arsenal master Bate and get their Boris off at the Emirates. This is the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. My name is Elliot Smith, and you can block me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. That works better when you're reading it. Um, in any event, I had so many things like, are there more people on this podcast than attended the match? If Arsenal scores six goals and no one's around to see it, did it really happen? I mean, there are so many ways we could go. There are so many things we can discuss. The, the few of you that are going to listen to this podcast are going to be treated to something special. I think there's stuff worth discussing. I think... We're going to have a banner podcast, and I know Paul is going to be a part of it. His name is Posn in my pants on Twitter, uh, but his name is Paul here. Hello, Paul. Hello. Hello. Clive is on Twitter at Clive P-A-F-C. Hello, Clive. Hello, hello. Tim is making the trek back from the Emirates, so he can't Welcome. make it, uh, but that's okay. We're not going to have Scott on this time because nobody cares about the statistics from this match. Um, I do want to say a quick word about that. The stat section is something to put a poll out on Twitter. People seem to like it. It was about 75% positive, which I think in this day and age is pretty much the best you can ask for in any poll. Um, but we'll still tweak it. We'll work on it. I think we have some ideas of how to make it better, incorporate it better. But um, appreciate everybody who gave us their feedback. And thanks for kind of hanging in there as I uh, work on my own skills at trying to incorporate that with information that I don't fully understand. In any event, it's just your routine run-of-the-mill 6-0 uh, victory in Europe. Um, and Paul, Paul, yeah, Paul, yeah, we went to a back four. So it's an interesting one because this entire run in the Carabao Cup and in the Europa, no matter how many times we bitched and moaned that the personnel we have don't suit a back three, he'd stuck with a back three. 
And the supposition was that that's the formation that we play, so the first team plays in a back three no matter what the personnel. But we went to a back four. We looked good in the back four against United. So I'm going to ask you, do you think this is a harbinger of the first team reverting to a back four or just for this game? Uh, I don't know. But when you add to that Gee, the thanks. big... Ch- <laughs> thanks for that yeah. content. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when you add to... It becomes intriguing when you add the United game, which started out as a three, but when the shit hit the fan twice, I guess, uh, it was like, fuck that for a game of soldiers, as they say, where, where some of us come from. And we switched to a back four and were more attacking and fluid. And i tell you what I'd like. I'd like if throughout this year... We switched back and forward, uh, really dependent on the state of the game oh. and the opposition okay. and the players available. Does it, is, is that the best way to get the most out of the team, though? I mean, is, isn't there an argument that it took us the better part of a year for the players to really understand their roles in the back three as it is and that the continuity of playing in that system has led us to start to improve in it? Yeah, but, I mean, uh, we have it now. We've captured it. We it's in our have, locker. We, we got that one. We yeah, can check uh, that off. We've got the merit badge. Yeah, and okay. against you know against weaker teams, we'll have a bit more space and scope to play one formation or the other and kind of keep in the swing of things. Um, and you know we've we've outplayed Chelsea and Spurs with the back three. I mean, would we have believed that a year ago? That's a good point. Um, so we're good at it, uh, especially when we play with high energy on the front foot and we press from the front. So we're good at the back three, and we've always been uh, – I'm going to say this and not mean some of this, but we've always been really good with the back four and a four-two-three-one. Uh, but, of course, with both of them, we have this – we've managed to produce the same Achilles heel, which is – when we are naive, we are overexposed, and yeah. in both scenarios, we can have an issue with our midfields. But that's that's really not a formation issue. That's the nice I thing you we managed it. to. I, yeah. I think you said it best when you said we we have we have at times found a way to make the the back three look like a back four play play the back three in such a way that the the same we, we're exposed in the same ways we were in the back four. Yeah, I think I said it best, and I think I said it a lot better than that, but even I can't remember what I said. So, uh, To yeah. be honest, I was, I was only half listening, so I can only half repeat it accurately. Um, well, look, Clive, I mean, I, I guess the, the fact is Mustafi is injured, and he's out for the upcoming Southampton game, and uh, then will be transferred in January. So the question is, um, I mean, do you think – because here, if we were planning on staying with a back three – You'd think the manager would have a big incentive to have played a back three in this game to get one of his center backs some practice in that middle role ahead of maybe having to get drafted in for the next match unless, you know, Murtisacker's going to come back in, so he's just resting. I mean, do you think we're going to go back to a back four because of Mustafi's injury? Do you think we're going to go to a back four period because Arson thinks, all right, you know what, it's time? Uh, or do you think that this was just a one-off like he said it was post-match? I, I think it's a one-off. Um, I, I think the back three. I, I was just searching through Twitter. Just saying, I asked on Twitter what was our record. Do you have to be on Twitter every time we're recording a podcast? I mean, can you just just one of the podcasts? I was just doing don't be it on Twitter. For, I was doing it for research. Uh, okay, like, for I the asked, benefit of the podcast. I asked somebody uh, in in the year. I said, 
what's our record with a back three? I think we started in Middlesbrough away last year, and um, and someone did sort of tweet back. I think it's something like uh, 22 games. I think we might have won 15 or 16 or something. Like that. I need to get numbers right. But the record since we moved to the back three has been pretty good. We don't draw many. We've only drawn like two or three maximum since that Middlesbrough game. So we win or we lose. So two draws versus one win, one loss, you still get more points, right? So, um, so yeah, it's a... it's. I it, thought there wasn't going to be like, a stats section on this pod, but there it is, I guess. <laughs> That's as far as I go, man. Okay, as far fair as enough. I go. <laughs> but, but basically, I'm a fan of the back three because I think it's the way to get the most out of this group. If you ask me what my favorite, favorite formation was, it's going to be 4-3-3. But I think we lack dominant centre-backs. I think we lack disciplined full-backs in a four. I think we've got multiple midfielders that maybe probably look better in a three than they do in a two. So that could be a benefit. But as our forwards are our, our, our sort of front three, we've got really haven't got like a Salah or a Sané as such. We've got like a playmaker in Ozil and and another sort of nine and a half playmaker in Sanchez with a bit of zip and we've got one centre forward. So the four three three, which is my ideal, we haven't quite got the personnel for it. Right. The four two three one suits some, not others. And so for me, to get the most out of this group, the back three, three, four, two, one actually works the best. I mean, we've certainly been playing good football with it. I, I just wonder, I mean, it's weird, right? He was so steadfast in his commitment to the back three in games that had something on the line in the Europa League, and then in a game with nothing on the line, for seemingly no reason other than the vagaries of, of you know, his selection, he goes to a back four. It, it just felt weird to me that suddenly he does this after being so dogmatic about the back three throughout the Carabao Cup and, and the Europa League. Having said that, look, it worked. It produced scintillating football, and at times it was really insane. It looked like a, a training match at times. I mean, there was flicks and tricks and one touch, and, and everybody was getting involved and dancing around the pitch, and it was just a lot of fun to watch. I mean, look, I hate to be the guy when we're good who says the opposition were bad. I think you can just be very good. I think this is both. Um, the thing Bate did that shocked me is they stood off us, and they stood off us, and they stood off us some more. And at one point, Jack Wilshire had the ball about 19 yards from their goal, and they were giving him three yards of space. And it's like, all right, guys. <laughs> you know, I mean, at that, at that point, what do you expect? But it was a lot of fun to watch. Um, it could have been more goals, frankly. But, Paul, we'll, we'll get to the players that were good, the players that maybe didn't shine as much as they could have, um, and some of the takeaways from the match. But a, a question that I, I kind of wonder is, is there a fear with a match like this that Arson may overvalue the performances in a game like this? That the competition was poor, it's at home, they're giving you space, everybody's really playing great football in part because they're given a platform to great play great football and suddenly you hear fans clamoring for oh you know jack should get in the starting lineup or and we'll, we'll come on to jack specifically in a minute but do you think that there's a danger when you run riot over poor opposition like this that the performances can be overvalued um yeah but uh, i mean i would i would think arson's not too susceptible to that I mean, everybody's capable of self-delusion, and he's demonstrated a little bit of that in recent times. Well, let's face it. But, if you ever uh, wanted to get Coughlin back in the starting 11, this performance would have given him an argument. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this was just the game Coughlin needed to get back in the manager's plans. <laughs> yeah, we'll come to Francis in a little bit. Um, it says who? <laughs> me. Okay. Um, but 
didn't Arson pass some kind of milestone with this 700 wins of some variety or yep. something? Seven, I yeah, I mean, they, they said it was his 700th win. Um, yeah. I, I'm going to take the club's word for it. So congrats, yeah. Arson. Yeah. So he's seen some wins and lo- losses. So I would think there's very little risk that that he'll overinflate it. I mean, winning always feels better than it should and losing always feels worse, but I, I don't think so. I think, you know, it was a dead rubber. His expectations before the game, I think, were pretty low in terms of its significance. Uh, Bate managed to uh, underperform. Uh, I'll tell you an interesting uh, Scott. Is it Scott Willis? Um, Scott Willis doesn't ring, a be- doesn't ring a bell. No. Um, well, I'll do this. I'll do this little section here very briefly. Uh, you probably saw that fact factoid that we got a bigger XG against United, United yep. than we did against Bate. But uh, maybe that says more about what XG. Fine. I mean, XG is a fine, fine stat. But maybe it tells us a little bit about XG. It doesn't capture everything. No, I mean, you're right. these guys. These guys were shite. I don't know if XG captures shiteness, but these guys were shite. They stood off us. They conspired. (laughs) They conspired with us. Um, So I think everybody knows, don't they? Yeah, you would think, well, you know, I mean, look, you go back, Paul, if you remember, remember the game against Southampton in the FA Cup last season when we were in the middle of just a dreadful run. We were playing horrible football, and we beat them with our second 11. Um, Yeah. And we were really good. We were really good. And the manager made no changes based on that performance. And we were all kind of having kittens over that. We were like, how can he not put Maitland-Niles in or Oxlade-Chamberlain in midfield because they had looked so good there. But we also acknowledged it was a second-string Southampton 11. And, you know, yeah, to yeah. be fair, the manager just ignored that performance and went right back to his first 11. And in this case, his first 11 is playing really well. You would say he has all the more reason to ignore this performance with his selection. Um, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. So... Uh, uh, on that, uh, yeah. uh, you probably listened to the same commentary as me, uh, who is a fox. And yeah. you had mm-hmm. the Irish fella yep. who's beginning to sound very English these days, and the other fella. Yeah, those, fe- uh, those fellas. Those were the fellas. Those two fellas. And they were pontificating on how these te- the, we'd played so well. Some of the players had played so well, they had absolutely forced themselves uh, yes. into the first yeah. 11. He's got to consider them now. If they, after this performance, how can you not consider them? <laughs> Several of them. And then then the other commentator says, uh, the Irish lad says, uh, well, which one's going to start? And he says, oh, well, that's that's kind of where it gets difficult. (laughs) The reality is there's no easy way in for, uh, you know, we'll talk about Jack. The one thing I'd say in advance is I thought Jack played a stormer, but the only thing he's got himself in the frame for is the 70 minute sub on for one of our midfields or midfielders or Ozil. I mean, I think he's doing great. I think he looks wonderful. We'll talk about that. Yep. But, but that's what's on offer for these players. The chance to come on at 70 minutes, which, which one or two of these players has forced themselves into the manager's thinking. And from there, that's their springboard. It's not the, it's not a start without an injury. And none of these players start. Yeah, and look, I mean, I think the thing with Jack is the one position that you'd say, if you, if there were any of the front, what would you call them, the front six, six that are up for grabs, it'd be Shaka's position. And that's the position I'd be most nervous about Jack taking on. So 
Uh, I guess let, let's just go ahead and come on to that now, Clive, since, since we're kind of talking about it. I mean, do you want to first just kind of wax poetic about seeing Jack play this way? I mean, sure, it's bad opposition, and sure, they gave him all the time and space in the world, but, like, the, the touch and the finish were gorgeous for his goal. Um, he was spotting runs brilliantly, gorgeous through ball. Uh, I can't remember. Maybe it was to Theo for a pullback. I, I don't remember the exact position, but it was, it was a great through ball. Um, he seemed to have that burst, but he had that burst in a space that was given to him. I mean, this is a great Jack performance that has to be also framed in the context of the opposition, or do you feel differently? No, I feel very similar to yourself on this one. I think your eyes don't lie, right? You, everyone's looking at Shaka and thinking maybe you're the one that's the weakest link at the moment. But you see the job that Shaka does and you think, can Jack do that job? Yeah, of course he can do it. Does it suit his style? Does it suit his physicality? Does it suit his mobility? Probably not. And Shaka's not the most mobile, but he's more mobile than Jack in those bigger spaces. Um, Jack, to me, is looking like an attacking midfielder. So potentially the position, if he's going to play deeper, is Ramsey's position. That's the closest, I feel, or Ozil's position. So this makes it difficult. Back to Paul's point, you're fighting for the 70-minute mark to get your tracksuit top off. That's what it's all about. And Jack is probably 13th, 14th man. It's a debate that Iwobi might be 12th man and Welbeck might be you know, 13th man. Those three, maybe Adjuri on the end, are the closest four to, to, break in, to breaking in. So for me, Jack is doing all that he can but I think the first 11 is by a distance better than the second 11. And that's how it looks to me. And I just don't... When, say, for example, if Mertesacker comes in, you'll know he can do a job. But we all generally know if the is playing well, he's a mile ahead. And it's the same for most of the positions, if, if we're brutally honest. If the first 11 are playing well, I think they are better than this next group. And then you look at the group that played and then your eyes go to the youngsters and say, well, well, can I project you forward into something to get to start pushing those bench players? And that maybe is the one sort of takeaway from the game. Are the youngsters getting any closer to the um, the established second string players? Yeah, I, I mean, I want to talk about the youngsters versus the second team players because I think there's a really interesting takeaway from that in a moment. But, you know, Jack was good. Theo was really good as well. The back four, obviously, a huge uh, Philip for Theo, who can play better from that wide forward position than he can from the two behind the striker position in the back three. But, I mean, Clive, do you, th- if you wanted to put on your cynics hat and say, why did the manager pick this lineup when he could have just picked kids? And why did he pick a back four? Could you be a cynic and say he's putting Giroud and Theo in the shop window and a game like this doesn't, doesn't hurt with January on the horizon? I can't believe your mind went that way. Well, I, I mean, l- let's look. There's a lot of money being thrown around, and, and there's rumors about Theo and rumors about Giroud. And, you know, Theo, I thought, was, along with Jack, the star of the show. Um, a reminder that while we're ready to throw him on the scrap heap, he is a class player. Um, again, fully acknowledged, terrible, terrible opponent, but a, a class player in, in many ways. Um Especially when captain's he can play as a wide forward. Yeah, he got to wear the captain's armband and, and delivered again a, a performance that befitted it. And, and Jack as well. I thought the effort was right from these players too. You know, this, this wasn't... This is one of the other benefits, by the way, being able to do full rotation. This wasn't Alexis and Ozil and Lacazette thinking they were above the competition. This was Theo and Giroud and Jack and Danny hungry to rip apart lesser opposition because they're, they're thirsty for goals in playing time. So I think that's a huge benefit of the rotation. But Clive, I mean... Any thought in your mind that this 
this kind of performance in this kind of situation is a shop window for for people like Theo and, and Drew that might just be booking their ticket out of the club? It could be. Um, I, when Theo plays like that, and again, the opposition was poor, but he really looked sharp. You know, until about 65, 70 minutes, he looked really, really sharp. He came off a bit of cramp. If you call it on the TV, you heard him mouth, you saw him mouth cramp. So he tightened up. But while he was sharp, he was super sharp. And he, and he looked first team sharp. And, you know, for all Theo's uh, lack of um, flexibility tactically and maybe positioning, in that role, in a four-two-three-one on the right-hand side, he knows that role perfectly. He has no issues with muscle memory. He can just play that role. He runs deep because his problems. When he picks it up, he feels comfortable in the spaces, and just move him five or six yards inside, and he and he just doesn't look as comfortable. And it's a, it's a shame because to be that sharp when you don't play that much. That means you must be working incredibly hard in training to get that level of mobility. And I don't know if you agree with me, but Welbeck at the start of the game, he looked rusty. Other yeah, players very. that haven't played, El Nenny looked shockingly slow and rusty. And Cochrane was rusty. And all those players who played more than Theo did not look so good. It took them a while to get their rhythm and look a bit better. Where Theo comes out, bully out of a gun, and he's ready to go, and he looked incredibly sharp early on and that's a testament to him as a as a professional and, a, and as an athlete as a, yeah. as a professional footballer that trains I really respect him and the career that he's had I think the team's developing away from him Elliot but I can't knock him for what he's done for for the club. And if he does go, he goes with my blessing. The, the, the problem with Theo Walcott is the expectation for the player we thought he could be he, he never hit those heights, but he hit a level that you'd be happy with most players hitting. He scored as many big goals as anyone in the club over the last decade, um, and I, I realize the club hasn't scored that many big goals over the last decade, but he's been involved in most of them. Um, he's a player I have a lot of time for, because, in part because I think he has been undervalued, not because I think he's an extraordinary player, but I think he's a good player who's been undervalued. And by the way, you know, if, you, if you're going to say, Clive, you know, Theo came out of the gates looking sharp, I think we owe Debushi a little tip of the cap because the funny thing about Debushi yeah. is when he's on it, he's not a bad player. Here's a guy who came to the club, and we were excited to get him. We thought we had added a really good right back. And he takes that shove from, was it Arnautovic? Against Stoke? Yeah. Yep. And Arnautovic essentially enough. ends his Arsenal career because Bellerin comes in and proves that that job just has to be his. There's no way you can give it back. And admittedly, I'm not saying Debushi's been a model citizen. He hasn't. He's stropped. He's, he's pouted. He's been out of the side. He didn't want to move because he didn't want to take a wage cut, which, oh, by the way, how many of us would do that? But, I mean, <laughs> he comes in. He looks great. He hits a screamer to get us going. I mean, he's, he's played well when he's been called upon, and I think he's a very talented player who's maybe just been a little... Again, not excusing some of the, the attitude, but a little bit unlucky. Arriving at Arsenal at a time when Sanya was leaving the club, thinking that he was going to make that role his, probably very excited to do so. Um, and potentially Starter for the French yes, team French, heading to yep, the Europeans. Ex- exactly, yep. And then, and then it all goes wrong with the Arnautovic foul, and, and Bellerin changes history there. So I think he deserves a, a little bit of a, a pat on the back for a job well done. And, and I, you know, I think... It's interesting, Look, Paul. <laughs> Danny Welbeck is Actually, interesting. On to, to Bushi, Elliot, quickly. I think Venka, he's, I think Paul, you, you watch the press conferences really closely, but Venka said today he's got a future at the club. And I heard him, and if I'm wrong, someone's going to tell me on Twitter, but I heard him say Debussy's got a contract till 2019. So maybe he has got 
a future of the club, or maybe he is that player to maybe support he's just Bellerin, prepared who's to be in the backup. Need to support. Yeah. He, he may just be prepared to be a rotational option and a backup option to Bellerin, or the worst case, if you want to read uh, doom and gloom into, into a quote, which not that I'm one to do that, you could read into that that Bellerin's going somewhere else. Um, and that's how Debushi has a future at the club. Uh, <laughs> You're terrible. What Paul, is wrong with you? So many things. Paul, look, Danny Welbeck is, is one of those players. I just... I have no idea what to make of him. His running terrifies teams. He, he's explosive. He's physical. He's dominant in his movement. He can get to balls you don't think he can get to. He can nick balls off the opposition. He drives them absolutely crazy. And yet, he can do a step over on the edge of the area, burst into the area, have a heavy touch, and give it right to the defender, and have it ricochet to Theo for a goal. But, I mean, what do you make of Danny's day? It was... It was sort of typically energetic and active, but missing everything in terms of passing and shooting. Yeah, uh, so I don't think he's actually being that typically Danny Welbeck at the moment. I mean, I think he's actually quite shite. I mean, somehow he's lost his his touch beyond his own normal comeback levels. To well, he, me, he's he was a, trying to get a, himself a goal too, right? He was very selfish yeah. in that game. Yeah, yeah. But but you kind of got to earn it in terms of your play. I mean, it's it's a dangerous thing to just start snapping shots to get a goal to kind of – it's kind of a cheese. It's cutting the corner, and the play wasn't there. Um, and I don't normally associate that with him. Uh, my recollection is he's a guy who needs maybe two games before he starts looking like the real Danny Welbeck and – you know, we're we're several. He, he's had various goes at it, and uh, uh, in this particular comeback, and he looks, he just looks unusually rusty to me. So, I don't have an answer for it, but I, I think he's well off where I expect Danny Welbeck to be after. Uh, now he's only recently come back, but uh, you know, he's had some minutes, uh, played uh, significant time recently between one thing and another, and I just. I expect him to be further on than this. Uh, I would say he's he's a, maybe a little bit out of form for whatever reason. Yeah, well, uh, we, in a game which should have made him look good. We know he always has it in his locker to just have his feet on backwards. <laughs> like yeah. that's that's always in that's always a possibility. He wakes up some days and his feet are just on backwards. Um, let's do this though, uh, uh, Paul. Before we go back to Clive, let's just get it out of the way. Tell me that you thought Coughlin was good in this game. I'm not going to disagree with you. I just want to get it out of the way. <laughs> All right. So, so walk with, hold my hand on this one, Elliot. See okay. if we can, for once, agree. Sure. Yeah. Right? Away. He showed every everything in this game for for which one would be concerned about having him in your team. But that was maybe twenty five percent of it, which is maybe still damning in that it was against Bate Borisov. On the other hand, seventy five percent of it was an utter masterclass of a midfield performance showing everything you wish he could do in a normal Premier League game. He was actually really good at times, wasn't he? Well, I think Coughlin is... The, yeah, he was. And Coughlin is the classic example of a player that, with two yards of extra space, he's not techn- technically inept. But when the space is a little tighter and the time is a little shorter and it all has to be done at pace, he can't seem to do it. You know, can I make a point, Paul, that I think you'll like, actually? Um, yeah, go on. I think Coughlin was good in this game, and I think he benefited from a midfield three because yeah. he could give it to Jack and Jack built the play. Jack 
Jack was the one who carried it into the attacking third and and had the creative responsibilities. And when there's that extra central midfielder, Cochrane can do less or focus on what it is he's supposed to do. You take Jack out of that side and you go to the back three, and now it's just El Nenny and Cochrane, and suddenly you're asking Cochrane to do an extra job, and that's where I think it's a real a real miss for him. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, I I mean. You know, I ran this through the Crapaton 3000. And oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> yeah. Fra- Frankie still had a great game. Jack had a great game. Welbeck was still shit. So I think it's. I think the machine's pretty well calibrated because I think that passes the eye test. Yeah, fair enough. All right, well, look, Clive. Bate, Borisov were still shit. Yeah, boy, were they shit. Boy, were they shit. Clive, I want to I ask you um, about the young players because, you know, I know it's something that you are passionate about. Uh, you coach kids, and uh, these are kids, let's not forget. But I thought this was an interesting game because I thought this was subtly a reminder of the gap, not just between where the kids are and where they're trying to get to as a starter for the first team, but even the gap between where the kids are and the second 11. Because Theo's not a starter. Giroud is not a starter. Danny Welbeck's not a starter. Jack Wilshire's not a starter. And those guys looked head and shoulders better than the kids did. Um, and, and that's a little harsh. I mean, Maitland-Niles didn't have a whole lot to do, and Nelson you know, came on late, and then Kedia came on late, and I thought Willick actually did pretty well when he came on. But like, you see this performance after we've kind of sort of muddled through the Europa League, like really muddled through. And then he puts out an 11 that's mostly first-team type players and experienced internationals. This really, really shows the gap, doesn't it? Because... Our kids aren't even at that level, and that's not the level they need to get to. They need to get a level above that. So was this a reminder to you and to them maybe of just how far the gulf is, the gap is that they have to bridge to get to being a starter at Arsenal? Yeah, I think that's where all those names you mentioned, they're all international players. Well, yeah, and they're not even starters for us. That's our second, you know, those are the 13th, 14th, 15th, 16th player for us. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Southgate was saying that, you know, Jack Wilshire has to play for Arsenal. If he can't play for Arsenal, he can't play for England. But there's a, there's a number of those England players that couldn't play in play the field <laughs> that couldn't play for Arsenal. <laughs> no, and, no way. And, and I thought, and then you look around, it's, it's hard to play for Arsenal. Theo Walcott is trying to play for Arsenal and he's struggling to get in. Right, so and and Theo Walcott is better than some of those youngsters right now when he plays well. That's what he is. He scored many goals, in, and he's been here eleven years, and he knows what to do. He's experienced professional footballer. Has played many many games in Champions League, and no matter how talented these kids are, on which I believe this group is talented, and you'll see that when they play their under twenty three games, when they're playing their full team. They come out on top with a lot of those games now, and they're doing quite well. But there's still a gap, and that is the challenge, and that is the developmental issue. It's not just about playing for a Premiership team. You have to play for Arsenal, and you have to be a Champions League player, and you have to succeed in the Champions League. And that is almost like a freak of nature to get a player like that, you know. And we may get one or two out of this group maximum. But that's that's one or two more than many other clubs are finding. And that's why everyone's buying in. It's very difficult to hit those standards. The risk associated to playing youngsters is huge. And yeah, we're looking at Eddie and he had a great day against a championship team. We're looking at, you know, another one to watch out for is Ben Sheaf. You know, he's very strong. He's playing in the back three. He's also has time in centre midfield. He's also played time at right back. He signed a contract this week. 
one to watch out for there. He hasn't had as many minutes as the rest, but I'm a I'm a big fan of him. Again, he's really developing his game positionally and physically and technically, so he's one to watch out for. And Reese Nelson, we all hope he gets some time up front. He had he had 15, 20 minutes and it's it's hard. We we all we all want to see him do something, and it's it's hard, and we're waiting. I'm not sure it's going to happen them. for him, Clive. I'm just not. Yeah, I mean, he's seventeen. This, he's the this, youngest but of all. Clive, between the Carabao Cup and the Europa League, and the manager takes some blame here because he could have been playing him up front as a forward all Europa League, all Carabao. Yep. He played him as a wing back. He didn't get to start this game in the forward position. He got about twenty minutes there, and I just yep. wonder. Is he Because, look, we may get back in the Champions League next year. So what's Reese Nelson's path to first-team football? I mean, I guess it's a loan if he's ready for it. But this yeah. this was a path to knock on the door, and he, he definitely did not do that. And the manager and the manager owns some of that, certainly. Absolutely. And I and I thought he – I I agree with you. I thought he looked a bit tentative. He didn't look as confident as he has done previously. But you know what? What Wenger was doing, he actually said he was not giving the youngsters their time. He was now looking at December and looking at the multiple games we're going to have. We're going to have multiple injuries. And he was just getting minutes into the experienced legs. And those three or four players that we all know, the Awobis, Jack, Theo, Giroud, Debushi, they're going to play. They they're going to have play. to. Yeah, when we have a game every other day. Yeah, they're going to play, and so what? What time? What they got? They're going to have to have minutes, no matter how ugly it looked. They're going to have to play. And it did look ugly, and it did look rusty. Well, bet looked rusty, but hopefully, when the time comes when we're playing a team over Christmas, that he, um, we see the benefit of, this, of these minutes they're getting now. Yeah, and and you know, I mean, look back just for a minute, and Paul, I'll let you come back in here just uh, one second. Let me have my trivial, meaningless contribution, then we'll get to you. Um, sure, sure, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, can do. Think about Cesc Fabregas. Now I realize Cesc Fabregas is a once in a generation kind of talent. Okay, Cesc Fabregas at sixteen showed that you could put him in with invincibles and he fit, okay? He wasn't a step down. He wasn't, he wasn't just kind of okay and they carried him along. Cesc Fabregas belonged in that, in that group. And he, he forced his way in because he was good enough then. And I know we want to wish these kids into being good enough. But the kids aren't as good as Theo, Giroud, Danny, Debushi. You know, they're not as good as those guys yet. And those aren't even the guys they have to be good at. The scary part is they have to be at the level of Alexis Sanchez, of Aaron Ramsey, of Mesut Ozil, of Alexander Lacazette. And we just don't have anyone like that. And, you know, you could say, oh, well, you know, no one's going to be at that level. Well, unfortunately, that's why so few kids do make it because Cesc Fabregas was at that level. Cesc Fabregas at 16 was as good as Mesut Ozil is now. I mean, that, that's the reality. You know, and maybe that's an exaggeration, but you get my point. He was, he, he was no, he wasn't that. That was bad redact that but the moral of the story is he 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 was an exceptional player I know what you, mean. you know what i mean i mean he went on to be one of our, our best arson banger players and it didn't take him long to hit the ground running i'm just saying these these kids i hope they make it i certainly hope maitland niles can can be a kid who, who makes it in midfield or reese nelson up front but unfortunately at this point as we round out what probably is their final chance to really contribute this season none of them have made that fabregasian leap None of them through their their six Europa League games and their what is it three Carabao Cup games have have put themselves in that in that conversation. Paul, I mean, do do you disagree with any of that? Uh, I agree with your your tenet that none of them have 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 proved that they've made the necessary step up, but I don't think that necessarily 
states that they've proved that they haven't made it either. I think our, I would guess that Arson, who's who's a fairly patient guy, is mainly blooding these guys. He's getting them experience. He's He wants them to be good enough. And, of course, if you get the next Sesk. But Sesk was a freak. I mean, that's who, that's yeah, the reason that. yeah. Sesk was a freak. But you almost have 16. to be, right? You almost have to be a freak. No, yeah, no I, mean, I, I don't think so. To play for the big clubs like... Well, all right. Fair, fair enough. You're right. Go on. I apologize. Yeah, there are different curves. Uh, and you ever listen to the manager talk about players? I mean, he, he'll tell you what the timing is for players, you know, what he expects from them at 23 or 24. I mean, Iwobi is fighting his way into the team at 20, 21, 20, kind of 22 kind of time frame. Uh, Bellerin is 19, 20, 21. Um, so even at 17, two years for Reese Nelson is a huge amount, especially for a forward. I mean, Arsenal tell you he doesn't ex- really expect goals from his forwards even, not in real numbers till like 23, 24, that kind of age when they're really starting to kick in. So uh, I'm not saying Reese Nelson has till he's 23, but he's 17. Uh, I think Eddie as well is very, very young. Um, 18, 18, yep. Yeah, so... Uh, a, a year. Uh, so I think this was more about them than us. So more can, about so can them I ask you a question? Let, let yeah. me ask you a question then. Do you think the manager made a mistake in a game that was literally meaningless, one hundred percent meaningless, and it's at home? Ad- admittedly, you know, with the lights half on and the stadium half empty, but it's at home. It's meaningless. Should he have gone all youth, played in their right position, and give them a chance to just go do what they do um, instead of instead of picking a, essentially a senior squad? No, I think he's damned if he does and damned if he doesn't. He's got two masters to serve. He had a lot of uh, almost first-team players who are as frustrated to shite that they're not starting. I mean, Theo... Let's get, go back to Theo for a second. There was a guy who burst onto that field yesterday. He was so up for it, so ready. Gets yeah. the captain's arm bag, band, puts in a performance, is not going to start on Sunday. The same with Giroud. I mean, Giroud's got his national team number two saying if Giroud doesn't start starting, he's going to get cut for your. You know, he's. Arson's yeah. handling three, four players. Um, and other issues. So it's very hard. And I think to, I think it was better that he was consistent. They got minutes. And 20 minutes is a lot for Reese Nelson. He could get lost in 90 minutes. But in 20 minutes, he. this is his job for the future. It isn't playing 90 minutes for Arsenal. It's coming on for 15 minutes and making a difference. So yeah. he got his minutes yesterday. Well, that's his... That's his look-in for the next two years is, Nelson, you'll get a few look-ins, but it's 20 minutes. Learn how to make a difference in 20 minutes. The same for all the other guys. Well, this is why it's tough. Who's going to take better care of your players? Loaning them out? You know, we've seen loans go really wrong. We've seen them go right. I mean, Jack Wilshere used the Bolton loan to really springboard himself to what looked like promising our school career before injuries. But... But, I mean, is the move yeah, to loan so these guys out? so many loans have gone the wrong way. Well, especially lately. And we saw it with Gnabry, for example. Um, yeah. But, but, you know, this Elliot, is... You made, you made a great point a few weeks back. All right. And I think Woo-hoo. this is like a, the pathway into the first team. Or, or, or was it Tim? 
I think it was Elliot, right? <laughs> right keep going, Clive. Keep going. Pass it up. <laughs> but it's about being multi-positional. Sometimes the pathway into the first team for these players needs to be the fact they can play more than one position. But then they become squad valuable. So if you get a mate that Niles is on the bench, we, we all know he can play left wing back, right wing back, centre midfield. He's a valuable substitute now. So the manager will now trust him in the first team game. Suddenly someone goes down, he's got an opportunity. Reese Nelson, though we're frustrated in playing wing back, we know he can do it. So if he has to do it, or we're we're behind and we're you know we're, we're away from home, and he comes on at wing back, and we we have an attacking wing back rather than a bellering wing back who's attacking but not attacking with the ball at feet. So we've got players like Iwobi can play multiple positions. And if you look at Sheaf, he can play multiple positions. So what we what he's doing is developing youngsters who are utility players, and that gives him a great chance to be trusted. I think that's a great pathway into the first team until you specialise at a later age. So I think if you said that, which I'm sure you did, I think that's a great point yeah, I've been I, thinking about. I think it's right. It, my point was with respect to Maitland-Niles, which is, you know, essentially we want these players to become stars and superstars at a certain position, but if you have a player who's clearly talented and shown that he can be a utility player, is that, for some of these young players, is their path into an Arsenal career not become the next Cesc Fabregas, but become, you know, the next Nacho Monreal. You know, maybe that's even yeah. too high a ceiling, but you just, know what I mean. Just be a player. Just yeah. be a player yep. that can be valuable. Yep. You start there and then you build specialities as you get a little bit older. And I think it's not a bad way to get in for academy players to get through. Play more than one position, be valuable to your manager, and then develop your skill set as you get older. Now, I had planned to do more of a Jack section, but we kind of did it really quick and whipped through it. But I assume just quick show of hands here, guys. No one's calling for him to be in the first 11 this weekend? No? No. No. Not for me. No. And I mean, but me. I did think it was, a, a again, you got to factor in Bada. I did think it was a significant jump forward as a performance. And even if that just mainly fills his confidence, the burst does seem to really start to be there so i think again a bit like the reese nelson conversation yeah he could be a real candidate for the 20 minutes to make a difference uh, or to hold down a spot or for that first you know first Aaron was talking bench. about managing his, yeah well yeah. has been talking about managing his fitness and but it also reminds you of the other side of the coin that he is managing it so we're about to run into a lot of games over christmas new year's maybe maybe they've got their timing perfectly and maybe yeah. You know, a lot changes in two or three months' time. Yeah. We don't know where we'll be in January, February, February, March with Jack. But but for these next two months, there's going to be a lot of games. 20 minutes coming off the bench might might be a really big deal to Jack on a regular basis. Well, 20 minutes, 20 minutes coming off the bench might save Ramsey's legs. Ramsey could be tightening up. Jack comes off. We don't lose Ramsey for four weeks. I mean, this is how, this is your value. And I think goals and assists change people's minds. That's his first goal. He gets more goals and assists and suddenly you look at him slightly differently because now he's not just playing well and looking better, but he's getting a real genuine output that can be measured. And once he starts doing that, then I think he's really going to start to force people to change their minds. And if well, he does a really good job, I mean, he could get Ramsey minutes, he could get Chaka minutes, he could get Ozil minutes in terms of kind of 15 yeah, he, minutes there, 20 Alexis, minutes there. Either the two. I yeah. see. I, to me, what I see for him is he may have the chance to leapfrog Iwobi as the first one to replace one of the two behind the striker, that the manager yeah. will have to at least think, do I get a little more end product a little more attackiness out of Jack than I do a Wobie. All right, so let's let's look ahead to the weekend and it's Southampton 
away, right? At St. Mary's? Anybody know? Yep. Yep. Okay. 12 awesome. o'clock kickoff. 12 yep. noon yep. kickoff. Nice early, early awesome. for you Sunday. Guys. Yep. Yeah. It's 6 a.m. Yep. for me. Um, oh, wow. But that's fine. I will be up uh, bright and early at 11 a.m. to watch the replay. No, I'm kidding. I'll be, I'll be up with the boys. Uh, but let's talk about the weekend just really, really quickly. I mean, they've kind of been a bogey side for us at times, um, although we ran right over their second 11 uh, at St. Mary's in the FA Cup last season, as we discussed. Paul, do you yeah. think it'll be right back to the back five, first 11, and if so, who comes in for Mustafi? So... Uh, I, I, yeah, I think we'll go back to the back five. Um, I think we saw against Spurs uh, a game plan that might well do well against Southampton. I mean, they'd be playing at home, so they'd be more progressive. They've done very well in fighting us for the midfield historically, even when we had a 4-2-3-1. So long this balls might to be, the wingbacks? <laughs> yeah, this yeah. might be a game where... Arson says we're not we're not going to contest Southampton in the same way we normally would for the midfield. Uh, we'll do to them what we did to Spurs. Although one was a home game, one was an away game, but they might be equally attacking and equally combative. They also, you know, they're a fairly pressing side. They kind of do about the same amount of pressing as us uh, over the course of a season. When you when you measure pressing time, maybe we press a little differently. Um, so I think it could be a fascinating battle, but yeah, uh, the five at the back and maybe skip in the midfield diagonals, very much the Spurs formula. Um, Clive, how about you? Uh, oh, did you, so did you say who would come in for Mustafi though, in your opinion? Uh, so I think Kishelny moves back to, uh, the central center back and we bring in. Holding. Holding. Okay. Clive, thoughts? Uh, on the centre-back thing, I think... Well, we'll First of all, I, I do you think what, we'll stay in the back five? Back three? Yeah, I think whatever. we will. I think we will. Um, I'm not sure if Weimar Saka wasn't involved. Was he injured? or I wasn't sure why he wasn't involved at all in Rested, the Rested, I guess? So that tells me that he's going to be the central player and we keep it. That just makes one change to the back three. It's just one. He is the the central, the second choice central player behind Mustafi's. Mustafi's out. I, if he's fit and well, I expect Mertesacker to play. Southampton play with a 4-2-3-1. They've got a lot of strong centre midfielders. They've got a player they got from Juventus called Lamina, who's a bit like Cochrane, but probably a bit stronger and just as sharp into the tackle. They've got so Romeo. He's, they've got he's Wal- just a strong, terrible guy. <laughs> <laughs> he's actually not bad. Actually, he's done quite well in the time I'm, I've I'm seen him on TV. <laughs> he's got a li- he's got something about him. I think Arsenal were rumored to be interested in him as a defensive player, but he's very similar to Cochrane, in my opinion. But I think he's a bit stronger and a bit sharper in the tackle, so okay. he'll be one to watch. Um, they rotate their centre forwards. They've got Charlie Austin, who normally does well against us, and Gabbiadini, who I rate quite highly and I think he's a very good player and he plays up front for Italy so they're there to watch I think you know Paul makes a good point I, I do think we need to just make sure we're playing in the right areas I felt against Manchester United we, we played too much in the wrong areas we got picked off once we pushed them back we looked dominant if we can get on the front foot and make sure we're playing in their half and make sure they're doing a lot of defending 
I think we'll be fine. They're not high goal scorers. I think we'll take them, but we must not let them get ahead because they've got a lot of strong centre midfielders who will who will fight and battle and tackle. And, and so it'd be difficult to come from behind, but I, I, I fancy us if we go one up. I have a weird feeling. It'll probably be wrong because more often than not, I am wrong. I think we'll go to a back four. I think Awobi will come in. Da, da, da. I think we'll go to a back four, midfield three. I think Koscielny will be partnered with Monreal, and it'll be Bellerin and Nacho at fullback. Um, I just wow. have a weird feeling about that, but we will see. That is why they play the game, because it's more interesting than listening to me. Um, in any event, hey, fuckers, we did this in under 47 minutes. What do you mm-hmm. think of that? Uh, Paul's on Twitter. Pause in my pants. Thanks, Paul. Woohoo! Clive's on Twitter. Clive PAFC. Thanks, Clive. Thank you very much. My name is Elliot Smith. You can block me on Twitter. Yankee Gunner. Give us a five-star review. Write nasty things about Tim and Scott in the details under your five-star review. Uh, you can also say that it is the uh, best Arsenal podcast that lasts under 50 minutes. In any event, uh, we'll be back after Southampton. Southampton.